And he goes in the streets and he shares the daily bread. Uh, and and uh, so we, we have a good stock of daily bread for him. And he also hands out these bags. And I've been there with him when he hands out these bags. And I can just tell you what it means to the people that he gives it to. It, it, it's a care package uh, that has different things in it, toiletries and, and whatnot. Uh, and, and there's male and female bags. And, and people are so blessed. It opens up a small opportunity to share God's love with them. He always makes sure he gets them the daily bread. Uh, we started out well making these bags, and I must admit, I, I haven't done a good job with this. Uh, and, and so I did put these in the back as you walk out of the sanctuary here around the table in a basket. You can simply grab this bag and follow the list. You can either make a male bag or a female bag. Uh, and probably each market, I would imagine, like, yeah, you can tell. But anyways, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, um, but I don't know, it probably costs to make a little bag, maybe 25 bucks. I think Marie was guesstimating uh, on that. And it'd be a great way to um, not only encourage Donald um, to have that support from our church family, uh, but to also have an effective, to be a part of an effective ministry. So my prayer for Donald has been that he could go two by two. By two. And, and have a partner and, and grow that ministry that he has. So it's an amazing ministry. It's a hard ministry. Uh, and this would be a way to encourage him and to be part of that ministry. So sitting in the back, you each family grab one. And I'm looking at our family, we all put in five bucks and make a couple bags probably and do something like that. So it'd be a good family thing to do. Youth group, Bobby. Uh, maybe put together as a youth Bobby. There he is. Bobby, great youth group thing. Ask everybody else. They know what I was saying while you were teaching. Okay. Okay, so, all right. Uh, let's start with the life poll there. If you can open up the life poll, put the PowerPoint up first. And uh, there's just a couple things just to get you engaged a little later. I can't remember what I did for this first life poll. Uh, you text um, the 22333 uh, John Ennis. Uh, you just put John Ennis 916, put the number 22333, and that'll get you into our life poll. Would, would you rather have the super strength of Samson? Would you rather have the wisdom of Solomon? That's a pretty good one. So, Ellie, you can get up my phone and, and answer. And um, I'll give it a few seconds here. Facebook Live, folks, glad that you're joining us. And, and we probably won't see your live answer, but the other two questions I'll ask, we'll make sure we get to see them. Uh, so go ahead and then move to the light pole. So what you're seeing on your screen, there's the light pole. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, here we go. Uh, yeah. It's even fun. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, very good. It's not a trick question either, by the way, so. All right. Well, Ben, thanks for um, leading in, in, <laughs> with helicopters, you know, and and I, I do, I know this, I think there's a season, I, isn't there? I think it like, like the cicadas every 17 years, it seems like every so often these helicopters just come in, in great abundance. <laughs> and um, the reality is, is these, these little helicopters fall down, um, some of them will grow into little tiny plants, right? And and uh, and and some will take root and eventually grow to be a tree, but very few 
of these thousands upon thousands upon thousands. That's our property, <laughs> right? How many on your uh, property? Well, this leads to the this morning's message. It's, it's, nature gives us a nice flaw into understanding the message of seeds falling everywhere here. Uh, what a great reminder. Uh, in fact, Elijah, before I forgive me, just set these on the back table where people can grab one of these as if, you know, like Beth said, you walk outside and probably see them. Um, but, but the reality is, as we look at Mark chapter 4 there, if you want to go ahead and find it the Bible, we're going to read it in just a moment. You know, it's, it's the reality of evangelism, it's the reality of sharing our, our faith and the gospel that, that we, we share many seeds. Thank you. Uh, the, uh, but the fruit is small. Uh, very few will take root and, and actually um, grow. So let's go ahead and so go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word here. I'm going to read it. It's in entirety. We're going to do this over two weeks, Mark 1 and 20. I'm going to read Mark 1 through 20 both weeks uh, leading up to this. But it's kind of one of these things. If you've been a Christ follower for any time, you're like, been there, done that. <laughs> Heard the parable of the sower and the seeds, and I've been there with you. I think I've preached on this twice in my 16 years here, so this will be my third time in the Gospel of, of, of Mark. But, but let's ask God to speak fresh and anew. You know, it's amazing when you see an old movie you haven't seen for a while, you pick up on things that you haven't seen before. Well, in, in one sense, that's how the Holy Spirit works. You can read the same word this time one year, the next year the word speaks to you entirely differently. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to be speaking to us in the, in the Word of God this morning. Mark chapter 4, 1 to 20. He began to teach again by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things and parables and was saying to them in his teaching, Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some Seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came and choked it, and yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced thirty, sixty, and a hundredfold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. As soon as he was alone, the followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parable. And he was saying to them, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside getting everything in parables, so that while seeing, they may see and not perceive, and while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand the this parable? How will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown, and when they hear immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom seed was sown in the rocky places, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary. When affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately fall away. And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the 
desires for other things enter in it and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on the good soil. And they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30, 60, and 140. Lord, I do pray that you would speak to us afresh and anew, Lord, as we look at possibly for some of us familiar parable here. But would you speak a new word to each of us here, Lord? Uh, speak a word to our heart, I should say, uh, and how you want us to respond to this. Uh, just come fresh, come anew on each and every one of us. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Thanks, you can be seated. I appreciate you standing. Now, the image uh, here of the bill 
I would think in terms of how you may garden. Any, who gardens here? Let me just see who's gardeners here. Yeah, good amount of you do some gardening. And most likely, if you garden in March, you've worked the soil already. You've prepared it and for Memorial Day. When we can plant anything that we we want. Uh, and and so imagine though planting from seed, not just your garden, but imagine planting a couple acres. It's a little different picture than all of a sudden. You don't have machinery to, to plant these uh, seeds. You're doing it by hand. So you would do it much like they did. You grab a bag of seed and you'd walk along. The, the toil, um, uh, the, the field is turned up, ready, and you're throwing seed. And, you know, you've got several acres here, so at first you're being careful. And then you're just wanting to empty the bag by midway through. You're just like, you know, getting that bag empty, especially if mom and dad make you do that, right? And uh, you don't do it like they might have done it. And, and eventually, you know, maybe the wind comes and carries that seed. So it's, it's going to land in places that you did not intend that seed um, to go. I think that's the imagery we're, we're to have uh, with this. Jesus in verse 14. Let's go ahead and skip ahead. I'm not going to cover everything today. I'm going to come back uh, and, and, and capture the parts that I, I didn't get to um, this morning. So jump to verse 14, Jesus tells us, the sower sows the word. We, we quickly learn in this parable that the farmer represents the one who speaks the word of God. The seed is the word of God, and by the word of God, the kingdom of God would come. That's what the sower, the farmer, the broadcaster does in this story. And maybe you relate best to this character. Now, we know that the Word of God, the Kingdom of God, comes by the Word of God. That wasn't the expectation. They believed the Kingdom of God would come through dominion and war and, and takeover, that the Messiah would lead them to, to, um, to, to, vote, to, to really global um, authority. And that, but we know this past the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, that, that the Kingdom of God would come by the Word of God. That's still our responsibility. Uh, you guys see the uh, Geico commercials? There's the young man who flips the sign. You've seen that commercial? There's different variations of it. But I love the one when he's flipping the sign and his dad is parked next to him and he's going, good job, son. You're doing great flipping that sign. You know, you're so creative. And, 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 and we find humor in that because we know the relative importance isn't him flipping the sign, but it's the product itself, right? Well, I think this is kind of like us. What's the most important thing here? The gospel seed. It is powerful. It is effective. And he's given us the job of flipping that sign. We can be creative of how we flip it, but the main thing here is getting out the gospel. And, and I think it's important to remember that. It's a little bit of act of self-humility to be reminded of that. Believers are, char are charged with broadcasting the Word of God. You are a believer. You are charged with broadcasting, scattering the seed. The gospel is supposed to go everywhere. And, and guess what? It's going to get messy, and it's going to go to places that you did not intend it to go. But God did. God intended it to go there. But do you identify with this character? In other words, are you scattering the word of God? Are you telling others about the gospel of Jesus Christ? 
in essence, I think we, we are supposed to be that farmer sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, scattering the seed. Are you living out the go? Would you say, yeah, I go and make disciples of all nations? Are you living out uh, Mark 16, 15, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation? That is what God has called us to do. That is our endeavor. That is the spirit of God that is within us. And I think as a broadcaster, we're not to go out willy-nilly just spreading the gospel everywhere, speaking it to anyone uh, who has ears. Unless the Lord tells you. I mean, if the Lord tells you to go to the street corners, then you do that. Uh, but I think in line with this particular parable, uh, this parable targets the seed on the soil that's conditioned to receive the seed. So it's a, it's a general reminder to be sensitive to where the Holy Spirit is working and being sensitive to what he's calling you to do and where he's calling you to go with the gospel seed. Believers are charged with broadcasting the word of God. Verse 4 says, As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Now, when we think of road today, we think of asphalt. I know you're not thinking back then there was asphalt like we have today, but... But the imagery that we should have is a path between fields, uh, large crops and fields. These paths were not just walked by the farmers, but this was right away for the public. So many people would walk uh, you know, in between these fields, and eventually that dirt would get packed, and it'd get smooth, and it'd be, it'd be hard. Uh, and, and the seed would fall upon this dirt hard path. Now it's possible that you could say, hey, well, as they're walking along, they walk on the seed and it kind of plants it into the dirt. A seed is seed and dirt is dirt. It, it could grow. But that's not the imagery we're supposed to have. The suggested outcome is this seed becomes murky. And it's easy to see, easy pickings then for birds, the idea here. Now, in this parable, I think you can't get past the time element. Time, seeds get planted, the, Sun comes out, the rain comes down, then the sun comes back out, and there's growth. Well, if there's a time element here, this is rather short. Uh, we don't get any indication at all that there's uh, growth here. So keep that in mind for this particular seed. This is a very short journey, I think. Uh, Jesus says in verse 15, he explains it. These are the ones who are beside the road where when it is so, they hear it. And immediately, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So there's great spiritual warfare going on here. This character's a hard road. There has been an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've actually heard it. And I've heard some people argue, well, what about those who don't get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? How is Jesus the way, the truth, and the life for them? Well, I just believe in God's sovereignty that he gives us all that opportunity and, and chance. Paul says it like this to the, to the Romans. Romans 1.20 For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. And, and for me, personally, that verse has a lot of meaning because it was out in nature that I began to see design, <laughs> see God's hand, and, and, and I was attracted to that. And I pursued that and found Christ. As talk about design, it's hard to get past design to see helicopters jetting across 
the landscape. The wind picks them up and they travel apart. Ellie, we were in the car on Wagner and Broad Street in a helicopter. We were pelting our truck. And Ellie had to roll the window um, because they were coming into the truck. I saw the helicopter on our couch this morning. I left it there. But, um, yeah, it's just kind of funny. I, but it's hard to get past design. And it points us to creator. When we pursue the creator, we find, we find Christ. Okay. So in this parable, that, that unproductive soil, this one represents the hard heart. The hard heart. And maybe, maybe there's someone here uh, who identifies um, uh, with this character. Ezekiel put it this way. If this person has kind of a heart of stone, he wants to put a, a fresh spirit in them, a, a heart of flesh in this uh, person. They are unmoved by the gospel. There is no conviction of sin uh, in this person. And if there was, um, they've ignored it. This person may view Christian uh, and religion as crutches for life. They could be very prideful. This person has a hard heart. Now, the person could be uh, religious, uh, but in essence, they're in rejection of the gospel. I think we we now live in a culture much like the, the person who has the hard heart. I don't think it's always so um, in our culture. Uh, the culture is hard as anything but Jesus. Any religion but Christianity, any, any word except the word of God. That's the culture we're living in uh, right now. It's hard, it's hard to Jesus. And, and this is easy pickings for the evil one. The evil one is against the word of God getting into the heart of man. That's what he's trying to prevent. And the unwanted gospel seed is quickly devoured. This, this person, in the mind of this unproductive soil, there's, there's no growth and there's no fruit. How do we talk to someone who has a hard heart? First of all, this, this person may not necessarily be opposing the gospel. Um, they just don't think it's probably relevant for their life. They could be opposing the gospel, but, but for the most part, I think they're indifferent to the gospel. They find it irrelevant. That we lots made of this COVID-19 shot, right? And we get a little part of the disease, which I think is manufactured. I don't think we're actually getting there's a science behind this, but we get a little bit of the disease. And then what's that? Yeah, if you want to talk talk to Sarah about it after service, it really is fascinating. You get a little bit of the disease in you, know, in you and your, your body builds up a resistance to it, right? Well, I think that's what happens to the person with the hard heart. They may have previously heard the gospel, they've hardened their heart to it. They're developing a greater resistance to it. Uh, so let's do a live poll here. We'll go live. Uh, do you have someone close to you who has a hard heart? Am I in any way describing um, this person who may have a, a hard heart? There we go. And, and obviously, you're not even going to put their name down. And it looks like a lot of you, you have. And, and right there, there's nobody here answering, the, saying, no, I don't know anybody like that. But why don't you keep that person in your heart and mind? And maybe you're saying, I'm the one with the hard heart. And I appreciate you. Um, if that's you being honest. And so, um, if this is you, and you know someone with a hard heart, 
Keep them in your hand right now. And be lifting them up to the, the Lord. Probably the most important thing we can do for this individual who has a hard heart, I think, is to share with them what it means to be spiritually dead. I think that's a good starting place. Because I think if you begin to talk about them being spiritually dead, they might say to you, I'm alive. I feel quite well. I'm doing okay. I think you start with Ephesians 2.1 and say, when you were dead in your trespasses and, and sins, you're dead in your transgressions and you have an inability to do anything about it. And I still think the answer is going to be the same. I'm okay. I don't feel spiritually dead. I feel quite alive. Well, I think it's a good idea to have a conversation with them that it's quite possible that when things are well in life, our sin condition can be next. Uh, you know, and, and I guess what I, I mean by that is you know, when we get a cold, when we get that flu-like symptoms or you know, the running out of the sinuses, uh, we take NyQuil, right? Or something of that nature, and, and it, it masks the symptoms. It doesn't cure it, but it gets you through the night. I can only usually do that one night because I'm so groggy the next day, then I get grumpy. And, and so I get discouraged from taking it again. But, but it masks the symptoms, right? It doesn't actually um, cure it. How does someone with a hard heart mask their sinful nature, their sinful being, their spiritually dead? Well, I think we do that with relationships. Are we trying to build, uh, build a void that's there with relationships? And sometimes the relationships can be good and mask. That emptiness that's in there. Sometimes we do it with material things. But we can never get enough material uh, things. We do, when our health is good, we don't feel spiritually dead when our health is good and we're vibrant. Sometimes we mask it with addictions. Uh, there's several ways that we do this. But, but when those things are ripped away, I believe it unveils that spiritual corruption, that deadness, that separation from God. Uh, and, and so this is what I would say then. When that is ripped away and, and the veil uh, is torn and they can see that there is emptiness in them and they, never, they always were empty, they're going to remember what you said and what you shared with them. But I say share the word of God and give them his perspective of them, whether they have an ability to perceive that or not. And I think this will be your greatest tool for them if and when they ever come to that conclusion. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11 talks of the value of sharing the word of God. and also has a strong allusion to this parable that Jesus is sharing. Isaiah 55, 10 to 11 says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return here without watering the earth, and making it bare and sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the ear. In other words, when the rain comes, our grass grows, doesn't it? We need to cut it. It's an obvious outcome here. He says, so, verse 11, so will be my word by which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to be what? Empty. Without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the manner for which I sent it. When we speak the word of God, it will not return void. I don't care who you speak it to, either you'll be accepted or be rejected, but it will not return void. It is powerful. The most powerful thing that we can do for another individual is to speak the word of God. All right. 
So there's the first one. Do you identify with the hard heart? Do you know someone who has the hard heart? We can pray for them this morning. Verse 5, we'll look at this condition. This will be the last condition we look at, uh, for today anyways. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, or did not have much soil, and it sprang up, but it had no depth of soil. The imagery of this one is potentially a good-looking soil, but their soil is most likely over what, uh, like a limestone base. Don't think of like our soil here that has a lot of clay and rocks in it. This is like over hard rock, and, and it's very shallow um, soil. And that soil will be warmed by the sun, which produces a great little start, right? Um, but then it says in verse 6, after the sun comes up, it actually scorches that nice little plant because there's no root where there's a way. So the same warmth that helped it quickly grow would be its end. Uh, no depth of moisture, no nutrients would evaporate the moisture in the plants and would succumb to the sun. So in essence, what happened there was only superficial growth. It was only utter superficial growth. And, and superficial plants are no match for the elements of nature. So this, in this story, uh, this represents the, the superficial response. And I think it's important to spend a few minutes here because I think I see this more than anything else. Jesus explains it in verse 16. He says, they hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. But they have no firm root in themselves. It's only temporary when the affliction and persecution comes. Because of the word, they immediately fall away. This idea of time here is not short like the hard part. This is a little longer. And, and we, might, we don't need to look at and dissect and say, well, you, know, you got a couple months here in this person because the seed goes into shallow soil, rain comes, the sun comes, it grows, a couple months here. Now, I think you gotta look in terms of time when that affliction and persecution comes, when hardship comes. So it could be a little uh, little longer. This, I believe this person here could maybe be a Christian, uh, at least a name for a couple years. This person receives the news with great warmth and enthusiasm. They may even want to get baptized and get baptized. It's quite possible. This person may have entered into um, this uh, Christianity through an open window. Maybe a great loss or tragedy has happened in, in their life, and their mind and heart is open to the gospel. And it, it doesn't mean that, that because of uh, tragedy in life opened up their hearts and mind to God that it, the seed can't take. That's what happened to me. I was very prideful, hard heart. And I had a tragedy, uh, hardship in my life, and, and I had nowhere else to go but the Lord. And, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ through that open window when my heart was open to him. But sometimes when there's an openness to God, um, there's an openness to giving the gospel a try. In other words, uh, they give Jesus a try. But when we only give Jesus a try, it's, it's a superficial response to the gospel at best. The condition of this unproductive soil is, is shallow growth with no fruit. It's a superficial conversion. It's no match for the elements of evil. Perhaps you're experiencing the trials of the Word of God. 
Because as I talked about, I believe we now live in a culture that says the word of God cannot be trusted. The word of God is offensive. And if you believe the word of God is true in its entirety, then I think you hate me. Anybody experienced that at all? I have. Because <laughs> I hold the word of God to be true, you hate me. Uh, I think that's part of what Jesus talks about affliction or, or persecution. You know, it, it, talk to the attorneys about affliction and persecution. They'll think what we experience is painful. When you talk to them about affliction and persecution, they're talking to you about in terms of being in prison or being beaten for the faith, losing loved ones to death because of their faith, rotting in a in a cargo container for years because of their faith. Yet many of them have not fallen away, have not denied Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. But still, affliction and persecution, however it comes, has that caused you affliction and persecution in any way? The way our culture feels about the scriptures, to fall away from the truth, to dismiss the scriptures, to in any way say, well, I guess, yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe all the scriptures aren't true. Some of it's true, but not all of it's true. Yeah, you're right. I can't trust this. I can't trust this portion of scripture because it was written by this man. We can't trust these words because we have new translations that say this about this word. It just can't be trusted anymore. Has that influenced you in any way? Has it caused you to say, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. And we begin to back away from the scriptures. I think you are identifying well with the superficial response. And you, my friend, I love you, but you're in danger of the fires of hell. That is the hard reality here. That is the wake-up call. Just because a large group of people point and say, uh-uh, nah, no. And it causes you to go, eh, eh, nah, no. This is exactly the, the, the part of the parable that Jesus wants you to hear and beware of. So has it caused you in any way to fall from the truth? Jesus says many are on this path. Wide and broad is the path that leads to destruction, and I think he's describing many, many church people. That is the reality. The path that leads to destruction. Sometimes we're on our own path and we have a feeling uh, you know, towards something a certain way and it's contrary to the word of God. You might be experiencing that affliction and persecution. What are you going to do? Trust the very word of God or trust your feelings? Now sometimes they're in line with each other. It's beautiful when it's that way, but not all the time. Are you falling away at all? All right, cool question. Just a simple question here. Um, well, first let me ask, yeah, go ahead and hit the poll there. Uh, do you have someone you love who's fallen away? Do you have someone you love who's fallen away from the Lord or has fallen away from the Lord? We'll give it a few minutes. Let's just leave it up there as I, I talk. Well, let's talk about how do we talk to someone who's fallen away or has fallen away? Well, I think sharing this particular parable and this particular Seed that is falling on this rocky soil is, is helpful to say, hey, where are you at? Maybe asking them questions if they truly understand the consequences of eternal death. If they believe hell is real. 
to them about counting the cost. What does it mean to count the cost of giving your life to Jesus? Well, the reality is the storms of life will come. It's like as a Christ, as a human being, we're all image bearers of God. Every human being is an image bearer of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All are born out of sin nature and into eternal death. And we share that in common. And because of our sin nature, because of sin, suffering and death has entered this world. And we're going to have to walk through that. But when you give your life to Jesus, not only do you get the suffering and, and death, but then you get affliction and persecution. It gets worse. Have you counted the cost? Have you considered that? Being a believer is actually going to get harder, not easier. Now, there's a separate discussion to talk about his peace and his joy that is in us no matter what form of life comes. And I love having that conversation. You know, my wife and I are walking through stuff. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. And man, we, Greg and I were talking about this morning, sometimes we've got to climb to the kingdom, you know, and get there. But when we get our eyes fixed on Jesus, that peace just overwhelms us no matter what the storms of life there is. So count the cost of this person. Because it's going to get harder if you're a believer. Now perhaps the gospel they heard was a superficial gospel, a superficial seed, if you will. I'm uncomfortable saying it this way. The authentic gospel seed is powerful, but maybe they got the prosperity gospel. Maybe they got the idea that if you do just give your life to Jesus and you trust him with your time and your resources and money, life's going to be hunky-dory. You give God 10 bucks, he's going to give you 100 back. What? You know, that story goes on and on. You know, you know, you, you know maybe you're bad health, you just don't have enough faith. We get this idea that sometimes giving our life to Jesus Christ bypasses the suffering. And maybe that's the prosperity gospel you were, you were sold. That's a, that's a possibility. Maybe the popular half-hearted cool Jesus gospel. Maybe you've been in an environment Everything about it was cool. The lights were cool. The, the sanctuary was cool. The, the worship team was amazing. The pastor, man, he is awesome. The way he preaches and teaches, right? The fog machine, oh my goodness. That is just like illuminating the presence of the Holy Spirit. And everyone seems to be responding. And they look, everything's just so cool about this. I want this too. You know, and it, it's easy to get caught up in where the, the environment moves you in such a way that the Holy Spirit isn't moving you. I think there's a danger there. Maybe, so maybe they were emotionally moved in a moment, but not moved by the Holy Spirit. Or, or maybe they got the seed of the no conviction Jesus. You know, all love Jesus. No conviction, no judgment. This is a judgment-free zone. You don't have to worry about how you live your life. You don't have to worry about the sin thing. Jesus loves you. You'll be alright. Jesus is love, love, love. Well, it's true. He is love. God is love, absolutely. But he's also just. And he will, when he comes back, he's coming as judge. So, that's a longer conversation. I'll stop there. Um, but we may experience a gospel of cheap grace and fails to understand Fear of God and consequences of sin. I think it's important to understand. The list goes on. I'll close this. The other part of the conversion is is, is, is about perseverance. And counting that cost, which we'll get into more next week. So let's just hit a quick couple uh, 
um, applications here of, of these first two soils we looked at in the broadcaster, and, and then we'll I'll close our time here. So, so far, based on what you've seen, who do you identify with most? The broadcaster? Do you identify with the hard part, or do you identify with the rocky soil? Those are the three choices you have. And, and, and so which one do you identify with the most this morning? So if you are finding yourself identifying with any of those uh, soils that are unproductive, and you don't want to be that unproductive soil, what do you do? You repent. You come before the Lord. Confess your sins. It's so awesome that it's so basic in the Lord. Doesn't change the cross of the globe. We understand who he is, we see his perspective of us, and we just confess and ask Jesus to, to come flooding into our lives. So uh, for those who uh, may be on one of these unproductive soils, I just want to put a beware sign out there. When we fail to hold the Bible as the inspired word of God, and we're slowly being transformed by the spirit of this age. Mark my words. If you do not hold the word of God as the inspired word of God and trustworthy, you are being greatly influenced by the spirit of this age. You're being taken. Uh, Maria had shared <clears throat> in prayer time on Tuesday morning uh, an analogy, and I just thought it was very appropriate for this morning. By the way, all are welcome to come to Tuesday morning prayer at 9. We'd love to have more people. I realize some of you work, school, whatever, and you'd love to be at a prayer meeting once a week. We could talk about that, how we can arrange that. But, but Brian just shared um, about icebergs, and, and the scientists looked and studied icebergs, and he realized that they were moving in different directions. Uh, the larger icebergs were moving one way, and the smaller icebergs were moving another way. And he studied the reason for that. It was quite simple. The smaller icebergs were pushed by the wind. The larger icebergs were moved by the current and then moved by the wind. And I guess sometimes they could be going in the same direction. But when I look at our culture and the winds have changed in our culture and it is blowing towards hell, towards the gates of hell. And a lot of people are being carried by this wind. And there's the, the, the kingdom current. That's pulling you towards him into the kingdom. Some of us are on that narrow, narrow path. Beware the winds of our culture. It is blowing towards hell. We've got to see it that way. We've got to realize we're in. We weren't always that way as a culture, but it is now. And the culture can never be perfect. I mean, we know that, right? But, but in general, but in general. So beware. Are you broadcasting the gospel? Are you sharing the good news of Jesus Christ? I just want to say to you that this is hard, hard work. And this is a grow area in my I have no problem with sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ here and, and maybe in one-on-one -on -one speaking of people who are interested. But I'm having a hard time. How do I get to share the gospel with my neighbors and trying to build those relationships? I just, I, I want to do that. I'm intentional that way, but it's just an area I need to work on. I want to be, I want to broadcast the word of God. And I just want to tell you, it's hard work with little results. <laughs> I know I discourage many believers who share the gospel with me, and I wish I wish I could just say, you know, I, I mean, they're long gone now. There are people that have just been in and out of my life, and I'm like, man, I 
just wish I could go back and tell every one of them, I didn't, I heard what you said. I listened. It never went away. When I was praying, that gospel seed took root. Uh, and I think that's our endeavor. That's part of our go make disciples of all nations, sharing it with the, to the ends of the earth, is what we're called to do. But, uh, Lisa, you guys are not very close here. Um, our, serving is the study on the narrow path. Serving is the study on the narrow path. We talk about the narrow path. Why the bottom of the path leads to destruction. Narrow, gate is small. Uh, a few people are on this path that leads to eternal life. What is a marker that we're on this path? Are you serving? Are you serving? We say in our church, love God, love others, love to serve. Talk to me about where you serve. Now, if you were to say to me, PJ, I don't serve much in the church because I'm not sharing the gospel with others. I'm not building relationships. I just don't have a lot of time to use my gifts in the, in the local church and what we do here. You know what I'd say to that? Amen. That's awesome. I want to hear more about that, but... But if you're not, and that's not you, uh, a great place to serve is here at the local church. And we, we serve in here, we serve outside, we should be doing both, is what we're called to do. But, but I would encourage you, if you're not serving anywhere in the local church here, find a way to serve. We need, the only thing that's really limiting our church kingdom growth right now is that we don't have enough people working ESL and a lot. I think we could grow that ministry, and I think more people would hear the gospel um, if we had more workers. In both those areas. So, person to talk to is Mike over here, and Aerosol in the back there. Those are several ways. Uh, you know, I think we need to think about someone, um, more workers in, in assimilation. Um, there is conversation. I think Donnie would like to work herself out of that position and have someone else step up. We need a lot of people, um, inviting people into our church here, more for them when they come in. And so, if that's something that's maybe in your heart, it's one of plant that seed. Are you being discipled? I just wanted to share with you at district conference, I was really challenged on two things. One, dependency upon the Holy Spirit, individually and for our church family, was one thing that I left there with. And, and by the way, Pastor Nega shared at district conference, and when he shared, it just it confirmed what the Lord was speaking to me about Dependency upon the Holy Spirit and discipleship. And he's going to be sharing with us on my sabbatical. I think actually my teacher, I think he starts the preaching out while I'm still here. Um, but he's going to be preaching. And by the way, I, I was going to talk about an offering, and I'm not going to talk in length, but I will in the next several weeks start talking about it. The church is sending me on a sabbatical. They're sending, uh, they're sending our family out of here for three months uh, this summer. I appreciate that. And they have some resources for us to do that. And, and I am so excited about who's going to be preaching here over these months. Uh, in fact, I'll probably be tuning in most, most of the week. We've got um, different colors, different cultures, different ministry perspectives coming in here. I, I just can't wait for you to hear from, from some of them. But um, anyways, are you being disciples? And I, and, and I over, the, over the sabbatical, I think I really want to work on how I can become uh, more dependent upon the Holy Spirit in my life and how to disciple and how to disciple individually. All right, kids, you're filling the blank there. Kaylee, you want to try it? I No, you're not. Good at, I was thinking <laughs> Maybe. Uh, no. This is, this is specific for this. 
Miss Kaylee. Uh, all right, go ahead and hit the next slide here. Kaylee thinks PJ. Kaylee thinks PJ got the bestest grammar. Grammar. So. Love you, Lord Jesus. I pray all these things in your name.